I know all the nasty things that I did. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, God, if you can forgive me, you know, then I, then I, I should be able to forgive others as well. Hmm. You're listening to We're Still Standing, the experiences of young people who were caught up in the juvenile justice system. This season, you'll hear lessons learned that challenge each of us to live with greater authenticity. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. I'm Scott Larson, and welcome to this podcast on life lessons learned in lockup. A lot of times we're thinking about what people in lockup need to learn, but as scripture would certainly indicate, there are lessons that are learned in that environment that are not easily gotten other places. Namely, half the New Testament's written from lockup from the Apostle Paul. And I can't help but think that his environment and where he was spurred a lot of the deep spiritual truths that God was working in him. So today, Jason Ludwig is with us, and we're talking about another topic that applies to everybody, but is accentuated, I think, in the prison experience, and that is reconciling broken relationships. It has to do with forgiveness, has to do with uh, making amends, has to do with uh, getting honest about things, all of those elements that that are precursors to true reconciliation. So Jason, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So talk a little bit about that process for you, maybe growing up where rela- key relationships were, were fractured that were having an impact on you, perhaps even contributing to you end up in lockup. Sure. Yeah, I mean, growing up, um, it, was, it was a challenge. It was a real challenge. I mean, I, I didn't see many healthy relationships in my life. In fact, I'd say the good majority of them were all broken. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of broken promises. Grew up in a household where there was a lot of violence, a lot of domestic violence in the household. Um, seen that a lot through, you know, also throughout just my immediate family with, you know, uncles and aunts and stuff like that. And so it, it was it was kind of a, a norm, so to speak, you know, always seen a lot of domestic violence, a lot of letdowns, a lot of people getting hurt, a lot of disappointment, a lot of divorce. And so um, I remember, um, you know, finally it was it was I was I was eight years old when my mother and father finally split up. You know, she had just had enough of, you know, after years of being abused and, you know, the, the drinking and the drugs and, you know, everything else that goes along with it. So my father's out of the house at the age of eight years old. And, and, and I, I just, you know, I, I, I look back now and I didn't realize, really realize it then, but I started to develop a lot of resentment towards him, a lot of bitterness. I felt like, you know, looking back now, felt like he abandoned us. Yeah. You know, because, you know, it got really tough for us. You know, I remember we had no heat, no electricity or water. My mother was trying to support four kids, you know, mm-hmm. and she was working three jobs. And, you know, and, and, and she, you know, at one point she just couldn't pay the bills. And so, you know, we started, you know, living in complete poverty, you know. Like, literally, the water got shut off at the house. Like, the water department come down, shut our water off. We were flushing the toilet with gallons of water. You know, it was, it was tough to eat. A lot of times, I'm eating mayonnaise sandwiches growing up or bread cereal, you know, it's like, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I started getting picked on a lot in school because um, I didn't have clean clothes. And, you know, and eventually it led to the choice I started to make that would lead me into lockup. Um, and then, you know, for, you know, in and out of lockup for nine and a half years, you know, looking back then, it was, it was so easy to blame, 
my upbringing. I used to blame my father for a lot of stuff I did. You know, I was like, well, you know, in my, in my mind, the story I tell myself was like, I do the things that I do because, you know, I, I don't have anything, you know, and I'm like, and if you, you know, lived in, in my shoes, you'd probably do the same thing, you know, I'm thinking so, you know, I, so it's easy to blame somebody else, you know, and I used to blame my father for everything, you know, as I used to, you know, not only just my father, I also blame my mother too. I had a lot of resentment towards her. You know, I used to be mad at her, be embarrassed as a kid, you know, I remember I'd go to baseball games, you know, to my little league game. You know, I'd be so embarrassed because we didn't have a car. I remember being so mad at my mother, like, you know, why, why do we have to do this? You know, why, why do we have to be poor? Why do I feel like the poor kid or the outcast? And so, um, you know, looking back, and there was a lot of resentment towards her as well. Yeah. It just grew and grew even more into a point when it was literally running my, my life. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you talk about um, it was a reason for why you were where you were. At what point did you begin to see that it was a problem keeping you where you were? Like that, that shift where huh, maybe this resentment is not working for me, even though there's legit reason to be resentful Yeah. for my father and mother. When, when did you start to see that, hey, this, this is costing me more than it's just um, giving me a, yeah. a, a reason? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I like to tell you to pinpoint it to a, you know, maybe a program or an egg management right. thing or something like that, but it was none of that. In fact, when I gave my life to God, I had an experience that completely radically transformed me, you know. Um, but, you know, I remember it was like, you know, forgive those who you won't be forgiven, you know. Forgive your enemies, you know. The Our Father prayer, you know. It was just like, I remember just praying that stuff. And, and like, understand, it's like, man, like, I, I know all the nasty things that I did. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, God, if you can forgive me, you know, then I, then I, I should be able to forgive others as well. Hmm. I started to think about it, and it was just like one day, um, God just started to show me. It was like, you know, how much hatred and anger that I was actually holding inside huh. that was completely running my life. Huh. And so I remember one day, and I, I, I clearly heard from God. He's like, you need to forgive your father. And so I, I remember that day, I, I went in my cell, and I locked myself in. It wasn't just about forgiveness for me. It's just like letting it go. Because to me, like, was I just needed to let this thing go. Mm. You know, I always had this thought of forgiveness was like, you know, make an excuse for somebody else or like letting them off the hook, so to speak. You know, and that's kind of like the way everybody thinks of forgiveness, right? And, but for me, it was like, man, like just being able to release this thing and let it go. Because this thing, I was just carrying it. You know, I heard once some uh, wise man once said, you know, it's like a cup of poisonous that we mix up for our enemies, but we end up drinking it ourselves. And yeah. so, and that's so true for me because it's like, you know, even towards enemies that I had, you know, people I had just, I, I wanted to get revenge on. It was like, I had spent more energy thinking about ways to get them yeah. than I did of anything else. And it was the same thing with just like the, the forgiveness thing. It was just like, I, I, had so many excuses of why I lived the life that I lived rather than gaining a responsibility. And so I sat down that one day in my cell and I wrote my father a letter. And I just, I just poured everything out in that letter. You know, I just like, you know, hey, listen, I just want to let you know I've been holding all this in, you know, and I confronted him for everything that he's did, you know. Hmm. But it's funny, the Bible talks about understanding as well. And if, you know, anybody that's been married for a while, you understand what understanding truly means. You know, it's like you start to understand how other people are wired or why people do things. 
And when you can start to really understand why people do things, it takes the personal touch out of things. Hmm. Because it doesn't, the offense doesn't sting as much because you start to, oh, that's why they do it. And for me at that time, I'm like, I'm 21, I was 24 years old with a fierce cocaine addiction. And I, and I, I started to understand, I'm like, wow, my dad was 21 with four kids with a cocaine addiction. And I says, I don't have kids right now, but if I did, I'd probably have done the same thing. I would have made a mess of my life like that too. So although I don't say what he did was right, but I, I totally understand it. And I told him that I forgave him. Hmm. And I told him at the end of the letter that I, I still out of every, every, you know, I still wouldn't want any other father but you. Hmm. Wow. And so it was, um, I'm getting a little choked up. It's crazy. Like, you know, you, you get a little choked up even thinking about it. And so, uh, but I just remember it was such a, a free moment for me, it was just like filing all this baggage of kind just I was able just to let it out. And I was letting it out in an honest way. And it's like, regardless of whatever happened, the relationship, this thing wasn't going to hold me anymore. Hmm. And I wasn't going to let any, you know, any re revenge towards enemies. Like, I just made peace with everything. I was just, I was done with it. I was done fighting hmm. this fight that I just didn't, there was no need for it. And the funny thing was, you know, he got that letter and I heard from my mother. He's like, what did you say to your father? And I was like, <laughs> He, he, I didn't hear from him. He was the one, one of the other ones that used to write me letters in lockup because you know, he's been locked up before. But I never got no can't see from him after that or another letter for a long time. <laughs> so you saw the reality of this was costing you. You wrote to your father. I think, you know, what you said, you didn't just sweep it under the rug saying, you know, hey, you did the best you could. You, you owned all of it which I'm sure was part of the sting for him, uh, that it was clear. And then he got to sit with it and, and did for a good while. What happened after that? I mean, he, he quit putting money in your canteen. He quit, uh, what were you thinking? Like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. What was going on in you? And, and then, um, you know, it's, I just feel I don't know free. if I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I had any regret yeah. doing that. Just you know, free. I just told him, I said, Dad, I said, this stuff's been eating my lunch yeah. my whole life. And I says, I, I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. I don't want to hold this against you either, you know? Yeah. Um, At that point, it was more about you than about him. No, like, yeah. You were move ahead. You had to release this. Right. Um, and I think that was the biggest revelation mm -hmm. is understanding that the forgiveness piece was actually about me and it wasn't about him. I, I, I wasn't sure what was going to come out of that relationship. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was going to be awkward, you know, yeah. and confronting him with all the stuff he's done in the past. It's probably yeah. the first time he's heard that. Well, yeah. I know it has. So it, I wasn't, um, I didn't base my decision yeah. upon that, but I did it because I'm like, I couldn't live like this anymore. Yeah. This thing, yeah. you know, I mean, I, to the point of like, you know, an addiction that's almost killed me. Yeah. My whole life from the age of 14 was in and out of lockup. And so it was clear that this was the root cause. You know, we, we, we focus, well, I say we, I think I was talking more of the system and just in general in society, you know, it's like, you know, we live in such a world where everything, there's a prescription for everything, you know, it's like, you know, or if you can just control your anger, you know, your anger, then you'll be okay. You know, let's learn to count backwards from 10 when someone really pisses you off or, um, you know, with your addiction, if you need to stay clean for the day, it's like we're so focused on the symptom, and and yet, to me, this was the root cause of everything. And I, I and I was I was dealing with the symptoms my whole life, 
they never fixed anything. Yeah. And so to me, the forgiveness piece was was the root of it all. And so when I was able to deal with the forgiveness, I was able to uproot everything. And this thing no longer had a hold on me anymore. Wow. Yeah. And I think that's why the gift of going through something like prison, addiction, either you get to the point where you deal with this really challenging source or it kills you. For, for many of us, we can limp along for a long time and just have license for whatever we do, excuse for it, uh, blame others, sit on the revenge, and be just mildly sick, but, not, but truly sick. And you saw that for you to break a nine and a half years in and out of prison, that this had to go. And as they do say in the recovery world, until the pain of staying the same gets greater than the pain of changing, who will ever step into the pain of changing? And, and you did that. And for those who are listening too, just maybe to, to think about, you know, where are the resentments that come up in your own mind that you just sort of have learned to live with? It's just how it is. And they're legitimate resentments, so never really think about that guy would say what he says. Um, I, I, forgive others as I've forgiven you. Yeah, and you just said something like, it's like, you know, you tell them how to live with it, you know? And I, I feel like we're kind of wired just to learn how to live with it. We, we, we yeah. can live with it, yeah. right? You can bury it down. You can live with unforgiveness. You can live with bitterness. And you can, oh, it doesn't affect me anymore mm-hmm. because you're not feeling it because we've learned to, to bury it inside. But one thing I know for sure is that as deep as that, that's as deep as your relationships are going to ever going to go because it's going to go only as deep as that that unforgiveness is. You'll never be able to push past that. Hmm. And, I, and I believe you'll never be able to have any, you know, you'll never live, be able to live out the fullest in any relationship if you harbor that stuff. You know, that's a real quick story. I was talking to a friend of mine um, a couple weeks ago. You know, he's been out of church for a while. He's having some issues with his wife and his daughter. You know, his daughter's real little and... He's finding himself isolating a lot. He's not going to church. And, and so, you know, to make the long story short, um, the old church that he was in, his uncle was the pastor. And I said, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so, so we start talking about forgiveness. I said, have you been able to forgive him? He's like, you know, I've, I'm able to live with him. You know, is my uncle now and love him an uncle. But he goes, yeah, but it's, as far as like a pastor, so he goes, in, in things he's done, he's not, I've never been able to forgive him. And I said, well, it makes total sense of like why you're struggling with your relationship with your wife and why you've been isolating a lot. Um, and so he, um, he ends up going out with him, meet with him and, and, and having a conversation with him. He calls me up last week and um, just the life that's in his voice, he says, I never felt so freed in, in, in my life. He goes, you know, I, I couldn't believe how much this stuff was bottled up. And that's just another perfect example. It's like, we could say we really forgive somebody, but when you walk it out, it's, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, it's really scary. And, you know, the, the temptation is there to, just to, to live with it and manage it. And you can do that. Yeah. But it's like, if the, is that all you want? And yeah. I don't think you can have complete, full joy. I, I truly believe that our faith, our Christian faith, the hinge and the backbone to our faith is forgiveness. Yeah. And until you can walk through that, I don't think you can completely live out your life with God or any relationship in your life. Mm-hmm. So, as you've talked about 
this act of writing the letter, forgiving your father, sometimes that's as far as we can take it. We, we, we do our part and there's a freedom in it. But scripture says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, reconcile. That's a two-way street. And so I'm wondering what happened with your father. It was a long time you didn't hear from him, didn't put money in your canteen. He was sitting with that letter. Uh, what, what, what happened after that? Well, you know, God is, he's got a really good sense of humor. And so at that time I had, was at the pre-release at the time, you know, I've been in for a little while. And my father's been away before too. He's done some time before. And so God just has a funny way of orchestrating things. And so my father had owed some parking tickets. And so instead of paying the pocket tickets, he told the judge just to give him the 10 days in jail instead of paying the fines. He's like, I'll just go away for 10 days. And so, so anyway, so when you're in there for some minimal charge like that, you're not going to go behind the wall. And so you'll go straight to the pre-release, the minimum security. And that's where I was at the time and I was in a different unit. And so I remember one day I heard late Ludwig, you got a visit. And I'm like, visits? I'm like, it's not even visits. And I'm like, who's visiting me? I don't get visits. And so when I walked around the corner in the gym and I seen my father, it was the word awkward came up, you know, I was like, oh boy, awkward, you know? And so I seen him and I was just like, oh. and so all the anxiety comes up and nervousness, like, oh, what's this going to be like, you know? So I went over there, sat with him and he's like, so what's up with that letter? And so I said, well, you know, I said, get me honest with you guys. I says, you know, I had to, I had to do that. I says, I've been holding that stuff in my whole life. And I says, and it's just, I just didn't want to continuously ruin my life the way it was. And I didn't want to hold that against you anymore, you know? And so I says, you know, I, I got no explanation for the letter. It is what it is and you know, whatever. And so, and then the funny thing was like in a, in a moment, he's just like, you know, I don't know what you're doing here. And what he meant by that was like, you know, this whole church thing, cause he found out that I was going to church and my life was living this life of God. Mm -hmm. He goes, but if it's true, if it's real, then I just want to let you know that I'm proud of you. And so it, it was a pretty big moment. I was just like, wow, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard that before. And it, it was definitely not the reaction that I thought I was going to get. And so uh, that was back in 2004. Huh. Um, and so, and you know, today, you know, my, me and my father's relationships, great. We have a good relationship. He is very involved in his, you know, with the four kids very involved in their lives. He's always coming over, he stops by all the time. It's pretty amazing because, you know, my first initial thing was just to be released from this thing. I wasn't sure what was gonna come out of it. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, now, you know, I got the dad that I've always wanted. And so, you know, he's still got his own little things and stuff like that, but that's okay. But the bottom line is we have a strong relationship. He's owned his past, he's owned it. He's, you know, and so, I, I mean, what more? Yeah. Can you ask for you know yeah and so reconciliation how would you describe it um like things are perfect or you know he's, no, he's no. not he's not necessarily yeah. changed in every way i'm sure so how do you yeah my dad's a biker you know he's a, he's a union roofer in boston you know he's that typical kind of stereotypic you know long hair beard Biker, you know, he's in his 60s. He'll get no barroom fight if you know, if yeah. if taunted enough. And so he's just that type of guy, just really outgoing. And and so trust, there's a lot of stuff about his lifestyle that I don't agree with. And there's a lot of stuff that, you know, I wouldn't want my kids around and stuff like that. Yeah. But I, you know, I know he's not gonna hurt the kids and stuff. But 
you know, there's just some things in his lifestyle that I still just don't really agree with that I really wouldn't want the kids around, you know. But, um, you know, so it's not like some perfect thing. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, again, you, you come to a place of understanding, you know, and, yeah. and respect for his life and he respects mine. I'm sure there's a lot of things in my life he don't agree with and stuff like that. But, yeah. um, you know, there's, there's a mutual respect and a love and, and understanding for one another. It's not a picture perfect thing. No. Right. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the complexities of, of reconciliation. It's owning what is when I can accept my father for who he is, then I can accept myself in some ways too. Because there's parts of him that are in you. And the more you resist him, the more you end up resisting and shaming yourself. And it, that holds us back as well. Yeah, it's funny you say that too because all of them is and it's like you know I used to hear my uncles or even my father you're just like your father you're gonna yeah. be just like your father you know and it's just like and then I'm like oh I don't I don't want to be like that and then I was that same person yeah you know so, so what you do resist will persist and it's like the things you try to push back on and not try to be is what you become because that's all you're focused on that's that's your whole yeah it's that's your vision you know you're so focused on not being that it's like you know it's like so many guys that come out of lockup and it's like oh i'm you know i gotta stay away from my friends or you know yeah. i can't get high it's like you're so focused on what not to do that's those are the things that you do yeah it's like somebody said we learn to love god and we learn to love ourselves by loving one another and it's like it all works together and we think it's just something we have to do, you know, because the Bible says you're supposed to forgive, or if I don't, maybe God will hold it against me. But it's really his provision for fullness and wholeness. And it, it like many things in the Christian life, it requires faith and it's sort of stepping off that ledge. If it's writing a letter or whatever, having a conversation, you don't know how this is gonna go. You've already played it over in your mind a thousand times and it didn't go well there. You know, we don't really have a script for this thing working out because we haven't done it yet. And God hasn't shown up in the real life of it yet. So, you know, as you live your life now, how is it different around that whole area of reconciliation, forgiveness, keeping short accounts? Um, what have you learned and how has it changed how you live now? Yeah, um, I think for one, if I have an issue with somebody or if I feel like there's an issue, I go pretty much right away. Mm. But just because I know the damage it'll, if I don't, yeah. what it'll do to me, and that's gonna trickle down to my wife, that'll trickle down to my kids, it'll trickle down to my colleagues. Yeah. It'll ruin you know, that relationship as well. And so, um, so anytime you know something like that comes up, you know, because it, it's not some picture perfect thing. You're not going to just walk through life once you get freed up. I mean, this stuff still comes up. You're still going to get, you know, I still get, I still get aggravated with people. I still get angry. I still don't, don't like people, you know, when things yeah. come up. But, but I have a choice there. It's like, do I want to continuously hold on to this thing and keep telling myself story after story about that person and just kind of being right about the situation about how that person is or do I want to have a conversation about that person and say, hey, you know, last night I noticed, you know, like you did this or you said this, you know, I, what's up with that? I just want to check in with that because this is how I'm perceiving it. And so, yeah. funny thing is that 90% of the time, it's usually me making things up, you know, and mm -hmm. I find it's less about the person than it is about me and just kind of, so what I've learned is that a lot of times I'm filtering things through my past that, you know, unless I check it out with that person, I'm going to hold on to those false realities, you know, in my mind. Yeah. And it's just going to, 
it's going to kill me inside. And so, um, yeah. so I would say the biggest thing I've taken away from that is, is now um, being able to learn how to um, have conversations with people yeah. and just deal with things as they come up yeah. rather than hold on to them. Yeah. Not an original thought, right? Matthew no. 5 and 18. You're at the altar and realize you have an issue with somebody. Leave. Go make it right. And, I mean, that's a pretty big statement because it wasn't like just get in the car, go to the church. They, they walked some days to get to that altar up to the temple. And now to leave that and go back, I mean, it was like, wow. Yeah, and, and it doesn't even have to be a huge thing. Like an yeah. like last night, so we're all fishing with some friends of mine, right? And so we got this little network of guys. We have this like kind of understanding and agreement with each other. Like, hey, we search the beach together. Whoever finds the pile of fish, call the other guys. Well, the last two times, uh, one of our buddies um, got on a pile of fish, and it had to be us calling them to find out if they were on fish. And so so I'm like bothered by that because he's breaking the commitment that we made. You know, and it's not a huge thing, but I'm like, so today what I'm driving, I'm talking about another friend of mine that bothered. So I end up calling him this morning and say, hey, I, I, I just gotta be honest with you, man. Like the last two times we've been out, you know, you haven't called us when you were on fish. Like, what's up with that? He's like, because I had a feeling you were gonna ask me about that. He goes, I promise you, it was just a coincidence every time you called me that we just ended up getting on, on a pile of fish and had a few. But it was like something small like that. You know, I could have drummed it up my head. Oh, he's sneaking behind the back. He's not committed to this thing. He ain't a true friend. You know, I can go to the whole, my abandonment issues, the mistrust issues from the past, because that's, that's what's really triggering it. But just having that conversation here on his side of it, yeah, all right, I could see that. He's telling the truth, you know, and so... Yeah. But it's just funny how small things like that, that's what I mean by like me, 90% of the time, it's mostly us yeah. than it is them because after I have that, it's a small thing, but those small things can really turn into mountains. Well, there's a lot in that for all of us. And this whole thing of resentment, you know, we're going to be picking up on different topics like this throughout this season of this podcast of life lessons that have been learned uniquely in lockup. I mean, I guess the good thing is we don't all have to go to the point of that. We may be able to learn something from someone who's been there. So thanks, Jason, for taking us on your journey, and it, it connects to all of ours as well. Well, thank you for having me. This podcast was produced by Straight Ahead Ministries on a mission to reach every youth in every facility with the hope of Jesus Christ. This podcast was hosted by Scott Larson, recorded by Scott Larson and Barbara Picard, and produced by James Davis. To learn more about our work and join the movement to reach every youth, visit www.everyyouth.org.